It's the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. We'll be starting off tonight with a conversation from earlier this week where Ronnie spoke with Bill Riley, the play-by-play announcer for the Utah Utes. Pleasure to have with us Bill Riley, the voice of the Utah Utes. They'll be coming to Gainesville this Saturday night to take on the Florida Gators in the swamp. Bill, um, you got a couple of Florida guys on your roster, Jalen Glover from Lake Gibson right here in Lakeland, and Mohamed Diabate that is a transfer. Um, any chance that Jalen Glover will get some carries against the Gators? Yeah, he'll play. There's no doubt about it. Jalen's had a really good uh, spring and uh, in fall camp. So Utah will play three and sometimes four running backs, and, and Jalen's certainly in the mix. They think really highly of that young man. Kyle Whittingham has put together a great football team that's coming to Gainesville, ranked number seven in the country, coming off a narrow loss in the Rose Bowl to a great Ohio State team, and you return 17 starters. What do you see as the strength of this team? Well, I mean, when you return a starting all-conference quarterback, you kind of got to begin there. And Cam (laughs) Rising's back for another year, and he was first team all-Pac-12 a year ago, and he was terrific, so... When you, when you have that, Utah's got a lot of strengths on this team, but when you've got a returning all-conference quarterback, you have to start with that as a strength. Their offensive line returns intact this year. They've got two of the best uh, tight ends in the country, uh, in Brant Keithy and Dalton Kincaid. So they, they've got a really good offensive group. And on the defensive side of the football, you mentioned Mo Diabate, who's come in. He'll kind of assume the role that Devin Lloyd played a year ago. Of course, Devin now playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they've got a corner on the back end that's a preseason All-American by the name of Clark Phillips will play on the outside. So they've got playmakers all over the place. It's a really strong team. As you mentioned, 17 starters return. But uh, Cam Rising probably is the guy that stirs the drink. Well, Kyle Whittingham, I think, is one of the most underrated coaches in the country. He just last year became the winningest coach in Utah history. And he was an Urban Meyer assistant who left Utah to go to Florida and then Kyle Whittingham took over. How would you assess his philosophies? It's physicality. I mean, it's, it's you know, be more physical, be tougher than the other team. That's where Utah built its reputation. Offensive line, defensive line, they kind of build from the inside out. And that's really what's allowed them to guide themselves from the power five, from the group of five to the power five pretty seamlessly. It's what allows them to stand toe-to-toe with a lot of the big boys who may have a little bit better talent on the outside, maybe a little bit better skill guys, a little bit more speed. Utah's got plenty of that, but what they have that a lot of those teams don't have is physicality of the trenches, offensive and defensive lines. They're able to get after it uh, up front. And when you're able to get after it up front, that allows you to kind of dictate the pace and the tempo of a game. And that's obviously what they'll be trying to do Saturday night when they go to Gainesville. No doubt about it. My philosophy on football has always been the amount of dominance you can exert in a football game is proportional to the distance you play from the ball. You know, we look at those wide receivers and we all, we were, oh, man, what a great catch. Well, they're running wind sprints if those guys up front don't do their job and the quarterback doesn't get the ball to them. So Utah sounds like they're very well prepared in those, those particular areas. And you mentioned something about physicality. To me, I think the key to this game is, on offense, who can run the ball, and on defense, who can stop the run. Do you agree or disagree? Well, yeah. I mean, those are kind of the basic principles. But I think especially in this game, I I think if Utah has to throw the ball, they feel comfortable doing that. 
But I think Florida probably doesn't feel quite the same way just simply because as, as good and as talented as Anthony Richardson is, he's still relatively inexperienced. This is a guy that's thrown, what, 66, 67 passes in his career and completed 33. And he was a wild, you know, he, he looked good at times last year. He didn't look so good. Now, I know he's made big progress, but I, I think what they'd like to be able to do is, and I was talking to Shane Matthews, the former Gator quarterback and color analyst the other day about this, you know, Shane was pretty plain about it. He's like, you know, if Florida expects to drop back 35 or 40 times a game and let Anthony Richardson throw it around, that's that's not a winning combination. They're going to want And Billy Napier's philosophy, even over at Louisiana, was always run first and throw the football. And he was that way at Arizona State, too. So they've got a good stable of running backs. Their offensive line comes back pretty solid, too. I'd be very surprised if Florida doesn't at least early on try to run that ball. And you're right. I, th- I think the team... It's able to exert its will. It's able to run the ball and maybe able to slow that run up just a little bit. Probably going to have a little bit more success early on Saturday. I think we're thinking along the same lines. We had Shane Matthews on just last week, and he said the same thing. And I totally agree. You know, Anthony Richardson does have great potential, but potential means you haven't done it yet. And that's where we are, whereas you guys are returning an all-conference quarterback who's experienced and and Bryson Barnes, my goodness, what a great job he did. He's standing over there on the sidelines in the Rose Bowl, maybe trying to figure out who his date's going to be after the game, and all of a sudden there's an injury. Hey, son, you're in the game, and the game's on the line. He comes in and performed a miracle. Well, I mean, it's not just that. I mean, yeah. I mean, Cam, Cam Rising gets knocked out midway through the fourth quarter. You're calling on a kid that's never thrown a pass in a college football game, ever. You're calling on a kid that played at 1A. He was the player of the year in 1A football. His hometown of Milford, Utah, you could fit probably 50 Milford, Utahs inside the Rose Bowl. That's how small <laughs> Milford, Utah is. And that kid ran on the field and didn't blink and threw the touchdown that tied the game up. Unfortunately, Ohio State was one of those games where the last team with the ball was going to win it, and Ohio State moved down and kicked that game-winning field goal. But, yeah. Bryce, Bryce Barnes, he won the backup quarterback job. Very tight race with Jaquindon Jackson and Paul Camp. But, yeah, that, that young man, for a kid that grew up a, on, a, on a pig farm in central Utah in a town of about 2,000, 3,000 people, um, he, he didn't flinch when the lights were bright. So I, I hope between you and me his name is called on Saturday night. Um, but if, if it is, I, I think Utah feels like they've got a lot of confidence in him to step in and play. No doubt about it. Bill, one of the things that's been talked about is the weather in Florida. Uh, I know you guys don't have the humidity out there, but the forecast for Saturday at game time is 72 degrees. There is a possibility, maybe 40% chance of rain, but mostly in the afternoon. How has Utah been preparing for what might be a very humid night? Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I lived in Florida for six and a half years. I worked in Jacksonville. I mean, we're treating humidity like it's the freaking boogeyman. Let's, <laughs> let's be fair. Lots of teams play. I mean, if, if the humidity was that big a deal, Florida would never lose at the Swamp. Now, they don't lose that often, but they lose games from time to time. It, it's important. I mean, they've been working out in the indoor practice facility, turning the heat up, watering the field down, creating humidity. But, but this, you know, this is a first game. You're going to see cramping in this first game from both sides. You just mentioned it. It's not. We're not playing this game at noon. The sun's not beating down on these kids' head. It's going to be 72, 73 degrees, high humidity, probably a little breeze, maybe some rain. It ain't going to be a bad night for football. 
if it was the middle of the day, if it was 92 and humid, that might be a different story. But I just this this whole humidity thing, these kids and all these programs, especially high level, are so well conditioned. They've been they've been hydrating and getting their bodies ready for for this game for the last month and a half in fall camp. I, I just think we're making a good teams playing good teams. Humidity is not going to beat Utah. Um, the rain probably ain't going to beat Utah. If Utah loses, it has something to do with what Florida does and what Utah does. But I I, I think when we're starting to talk about humidity as a as a key to the game. I think you're, you're, you're lacking things on your side if you're counting on humidity helping you out. Oh, I totally agree with you. It does tend to rain on both sides of the field when it does rain, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and by the way, it rains in Utah, too. This wouldn't be the first time Utah's played in rain. The rain, rain is not, you know, rain is not exclusive to north-central Florida. So, yeah, these guys, these guys have played in the rain before. Hey, they played in the snow before. They played in blizzards before, so... Yeah, it would you know weather. I'm not saying weather couldn't be a factor. A wet football can slip out of somebody's hands, but the humidity storyline for me is one that's just kind of kind of played itself out a little bit. Could not agree with you more, Bill. One last question. There's been a lot of talk about expansion. Where do you see Utah in the next five years? What conference? Um, where do you see the Pac-12 going? That, that's a good question. I, I mean, it really depends on what happens over the next month or two with, uh, with the media rights deal that the commissioner is, is trying to negotiate right now with ESPN and, and other media rights partners. If I had to hazard a guess right now, I think the Pac-12, or I guess we'd go school to school and say Pac-10, because SC and UCLA will be leaving in about a year. Um, I think they stay together. I, I think for at least the next short, and it's, it won't be a long-term media rights deal. It's not going to be a, a 7, 8, 10, 12-year deal. This will probably be a five-year deal, which I think is probably the smart thing to do because you don't know what the landscape's going to look like. But I, I think you know, if I had to put my money somewhere, I would say the Pac-10, Pac-12 exists on its own for the next four to five years. What happens after that, I don't know. Um, could the Big Ten come calling and poach a few more schools? Maybe they could. I think that no matter how you look at it, though, I think Utah's in a good place because of where the program, the school, the, the city, the market, everything. Whether the Pac-12 exists as we know it or it dissolves, I think the Utah ends up either in a, in a newly formed Big 12 or maybe as a, as a late add to a Big Ten. But I think they'll be okay. I, just, I, I couldn't tell you exactly, but if I had to hazard a guess, I'd probably say, for the next four or five years, I think these 10 schools stay together. And then what happens after that, anybody knows. Bill, I know you're a busy man. We appreciate your time and uh, hope I'll run into you in Gainesville Saturday. Come on by and say hi. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the Lakeland today. All right. Thank you, Bill Riley, voice of the Utah Utes. We'll be back with more from Ronnie O and Coach Joe from the Ozone in just a few. This is Coach Bowden, former Florida State head football coach. Be sure to listen in on Radio and Coach Joe. We're back in the Ozone with Radio and Coach Joe. All right, Radio and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. That was the interview that we had with Bill Riley. He was very entertaining, and uh, you know th- those guys—they are loaded. This is a really good Utah football team that's coming in to Gainesville on Saturday. And speaking of that, you can hear the Gators and the Utes, 7 o'clock kickoff, 4 p.m. pregame on WONN right down the dial, 1230 a.m., 
107.1 FM. And Florida State is going to kick off their real season tonight. They're going to be playing a Division I team as they take on the LSU Bayou Bengals in New Orleans, Louisiana. 7.30 kickoff on Sunday night, 5.30 pregame. And you can hear that right here on WONN 96.7 FM and 14.30 AM. And, of course, the Bucks do not play this week. The NFL's off. That's why the Sunday football game with FSU and LSU is going to be played on Sunday. Yeah, I watched some of that FSU game. It was the part where it was rain delayed. And then, <laughs> and then once the, uh, they took the field, then I, I switched to something else because it was more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the rain delay might have been the most interesting part of that game. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of games on tonight, Ronnie. Yeah. 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 What do we got? We got West Virginia and Pittsburgh in the backyard brawl. Nice and to then, see them playing again. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then Penn State's playing Purdue. That's another one that I want to get home and see later. Yeah, that's getting underway shortly, or or maybe just underway. So uh, listen to our show and then and see some of that game. And Tennessee is in action against Ball State, and uh, Ball State has been good in the past. They don't look very good this year, though. Yeah, that's that's too bad. But you know that. A lot of teams do that. They play a, a, a game, you know, against an opponent that they're pretty sure they're going to beat. Let me ask you this: How much of a factor do you think it's going to be for Florida State with them? I think they're an underdog to LSU, and I think they have a good chance of beating LSU because there's a lot of factors weighing in their favor. One, they've played a game despite the level of competition, but you get some of the kinks out. And secondly, LSU still hasn't named a quarterback. They've got a whole new staff there, and even though it's in New Orleans and, you know, it'll be a predominantly LSU crowd, I think FSU has a real chance. And if they do win this game, then you're going to be hearing a lot of FSU's back and this kind of stuff. And um, I really think they have a chance. What do you think? I think it's more about LSU, though, Ronnie. I think you said it best about trying to find a quarterback. When you're not sure of who your quarterback is and you're trying to figure that out, uh, then then that's a problem, and it means you're not going to play very well unless you happen to luck out and Kyle Trask inherits a job and then is yeah. a world beater. Uh, you know, Michigan's doing the same thing. They're trying out their quarterbacks yeah. during the soft part of their early season schedule, which is raising a lot of eyebrows over there. And uh, I, I, you know, I don't like to make a lot of preseason predictions, but I can tell you this, uh, at least with respect to the Gators, for example, if Anthony Richardson plays as well as we've seen him play at times, and he does that consistently, the Gators will be two or three games better than than if he's not. Yeah, that's true. And uh, I tell you, Jim Harbaugh, he's he's on another planet. I heard him yeah. I had a quote from him the other day, and it, I don't think it was a recent one, but he said, "You know, if worms had machine guns, then birds wouldn't need to be afraid of them." I think what you meant was they would be afraid of him. <laughs> uh, he, he's a good football coach, though. I mean, as, as weird as Coach Khaki Pants is, he's he's a good football coach. And, and Michigan's one of those schools where, unless you're just a complete idiot, you're always going to be able to recruit there. You know, they've got a strong academic base. They're one of the top universities, public universities in the country. And, um, you know, there's a lot of talent and both they'll go into Ohio and get some kids, and of course Ohio State goes over there and gets some kids from Michigan too. You get the feeling Michigan's due for a backslide this year. I do. Yeah, I, I really get do. Get that vibe as well. I'm not sure they're going to be as motivated as they were last year. 
you know, they were tired of hearing all that. You can't beat Ohio State. And they had them at home. They're going to the big shoe, the horseshoe this year. So yeah. I, I think Ohio State's loaded. Yeah, and uh, Notre Dame's going to be visiting the horseshoe Saturday night. Uh, yeah. And uh, that's a game I'm, I'm interested in. Obviously, I'm going to be focused primarily on the Gator game. But uh, that game, the Oregon game in Atlanta against Georgia, some really tasty games on Saturday. 17.5-point underdog Notre Dame is. I think if I were a betting man, I might have to take that 17.5 points. Notre Dame tends to rise to the occasion in some of these games like that. Well, they do. But Ohio State can put on, when they get going, can score so many points. They can actually cover something like that. But defensively, Ohio State is still vulnerable. We've got to keep an eye on that. That's true. we got a caller. Well, gentlemen. How's it going? All right. Daryl, how you doing, my man? I'm doing okay. You got a new guy answering the phone. And, of course, I know why, because Eric, Eric is away doing some um, negotiating on some various topics. You may not be aware of that. But. He's, uh, he's checking on Big Ten expansion. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he, no, he's, he's purchased. He's purchased the Big 12. Yeah. <laughs> Eric has purchased the Big 12. We're trying to figure out where we're going to go with it. <laughs> yeah, you know, his fleet of Learjets is um, getting old. Some of them are six months old already. And so, you know, he's really concerned about that. And, you know, his fleet of ships, you know, his yachts, he's getting really concerned several months on those. Well, Eric, Eric quickly gets bored. That's the problem with Eric. He quickly gets ah! bored. So he, he, but anyway, um, so, we got an Eric sound effect there. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah, was, that was, that was Cody in the background. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I was just listening. You had the, the, you had the Ute fella on there. Yeah. Um, everybody needs to understand that for Florida to have anywhere close to a winning season, they have to win Saturday night. I think it, it, it is a critical game. You know, right now everybody's excited about Billy Napier, and I'll never forget what John Madden said. He said, "Winning is the best deodorant." And well, you know, everybody loves Billy Napier right now. He's undefeated, unscored upon, and you know, you, you better. It's like when they, uh, I think it was um, Irk Russell, the former Georgia defensive coordinator, that said they hired a football coach at a school, and they said, "Coach, we're behind you, win or tie." <laughs> <laughs> At Gainesville, there's, there are no more ties, if you remember. Oh, yeah. Ties went out, the, so that, that, that reduces that down. So if you go through the history of opening games for coaches and the first-year coaches in the past, who's been successful and who has not been? Well, I think almost all of them have been successful in the first game. Obviously, obviously if you go back to Ray Graves, you know, um, gosh, I'm trying to think what his – I think his first game was something like – George Washington University or something like that in 1960. And I don't remember who Doug Dickey played. Charlie Pell wasn't successful. Um, no, Charlie had a – and that really that, – that first season for Pell really was what propelled the whole situation that just blew up in his face. Well, you're he right. Panicked. I, think he, panicked. I think he did. And uh, But, you know, the Gators, had they not been injured at the quarterback position, I think they would have won some of those games because they played a very good Houston team out in the Astrodome in 1979, mm-hmm. and they played them really well. They lost 14-10 to 10 out there, and then the last game, 
uh, the year they played an undefeated FSU team very close, and it was a critical call that went against the Gators on a pass that clearly bounced on the turf. And uh, the Gators might have beaten that undefeated FSU team had it not yeah, been I for was, that. I was there for that game. Were you? Alfonso yes, Carrier. Dr. O was the quarterback. Larry Ochab. <laughs> Larry Ochab. But you remember Spurrier surprised some people in his first game. Oh, yeah, Oklahoma State, 50-7. to Yep. And last time Florida's played a, a team that's ranked this highly in an opening game was probably in 69. You're right. You're exactly right. Daryl, we're, unfortunately, we're out of time. We always love having you call in and um, tell Cody we said hello. Cody, Cody's waiting for you to drop by PDQ and buy some more food. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Daryl. We appreciate you, you calling. All See right. You okay, bye. That's our man, Daryl. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. We are back in the Ozone, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone, and we are really excited because we have with us on the phone Mr. David Williams, the latest winner of the Billy Chase Captain's Award presented by the Polk County Gator Club. David, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Good to be here, Ron. How you doing? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Couldn't be much better. That was an exciting night for you last night, wasn't it? Yes, it was. That was uh, that was really nice. I was a little nervous. Managed to get through it. You didn't tell me there was going to be that many people. <laughs> well, it, uh, David Williams is a big name in Lakeland. Former Lakeland Dreadnought, Florida Gator, Houston Oiler, New York Jet. I'm telling you, uh, big name here in Lakeland. Lakeland loves you. <laughs> Well, it's good to be home. It's really, it's really good to be home. Looking forward to watching, uh, watching those dreadnoughts play tomorrow night, and then uh, tuning in watching the Gators play. Um, there's, it looks like there's going to be plenty of bulletin board material. That uh, I saw a few things that one of the coach there said about the Gators. So they ought to be ready to go. I hope. How much did bulletin board material play into preparation when you were playing? Well, you know, it just gives you a little something extra, you know. It doesn't really play in too much because once that, you know, once you get out there and the whistle blows, you're you just you're focusing on what you're supposed to do. But you know, when they when they start uh, talking smack, you know, it just gives you a little more incentive to go out there and uh, take care of business, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, last night you were introduced by Sid Kimbrell, one of your coaches at Lakeland High School, yeah. and what a great human being he is. He is one of my favorite people. Talk a little bit about um, the the foundation that was built at Lakeland High School with Bill Castle and Sid Kimbrell and some of the great coaches that you played under there. Well, you know, Coach Castle and Coach Kimbrell and Coach Galloway, they were all fantastic. And those are the three men that directly affected me. Uh, but there were there were many others that, uh, you know, the guys that come up through there that, uh, you know, they were like father figures. But Coach Castle, uh, the way he ran that program was uh, – it was just, it was just great. I mean, it was just an, you know, I've told people it was just an easy transition when I went to the University of Florida because he ran his program like, you know, some colleges did, and he was, you know, a disciplinarian type coach, and uh, you know, he worked as hard. Coach Kimbrell was not only did he go in and tell you to work out, but he would actually get in there and work out with you, and uh, and he was just a big inspiration to me as well as many of the other guys in there. And we, we just saw our, our weightlifting abilities and our strength increase 
so much under him uh, because he was, uh, you know, he just he got in there and worked out with us, and that made all the difference. Our guest tonight, the great David Williams, uh, Lakeland icon, former Lakeland Dreadnought football player, then with the Gators from 1985 to 1989, and a great career in the NFL with the Houston Oilers and the New York Jets. Hey, Dave, uh, if you, uh, by the way, if you want to talk to David, 682-1430, 682-1430. Hey, Dave, Coach Joe here. It was great meeting you last night, and uh, congratulations on the award. Uh, I, I got to ask you uh, right off the top, you know, uh, you've blocked for a lot of great players, one of whom uh, all Gator fans are familiar with. What was it like getting ready for Alabama in 1987? And uh, you had this running back that uh, was supposed to be pretty good named Emmett Smith. Kind of walk us through that experience. <laughs> well, you know, Emmett was one of those guys, the moment he came up on the, the minute he put one foot on campus, we knew he was, you know, was going to be a special player. Uh, just an incredible talent. And, you know, it was he was just one of those guys that, you know, you open up just a little little gaping hole, man, and he's through it. And sometimes he would make a he would make the offensive line look good. And I know that's kind of hard to believe, but it's true. <laughs> I mean, he just <laughs> he was uh, just amazing how he could just get through those holes and make guys miss. And you know, he never had real. He wasn't a real blazer as far as speed goes, but uh, he just made guys miss. And he he just had that knack that uh, to find the hole. That you can't you can't coach that it's you either have that ability or you don't and uh and he just he just had just an incredible ability to find the holes and uh and just a great guy all the way around i mean not only a, a great football player but a great person as well and uh, it was just a, it was just an honor to, to block for him and uh to, to uh be a you know be a part of uh you know his his uh success that he's had you know uh, as well you know like in the college it was for college players as well as the nfl you know, there were some uh, great memories of those Gators teams from 1985 to uh, 1988. Uh, some, there were some ups and downs there. Uh, yeah. There were some great highlights, though. Among uh, some of the great memories for Gator fans was the uh, 85 game at Auburn, where we rarely won but did that day to jump to number one in the rankings. And then the following year back in Gainesville. Uh, which right. one Which one sticks out the most in your memory? Well, the 86 game was, uh, that was an amazing game. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was a, a game that, uh, you know, they, they started out and just kind of was putting it on us a little bit, but we, we made a comeback and, uh, and right at the end of the ball game, we were just marching the ball down the field. And, um, I don't know, there was probably 10, 15 seconds left or something in the game and we had to score a touchdown to win. And I'll never forget, I was playing left tackle and, Irwin Bell rolls out to the right, and you know he was feeling this pressure on him, so he, he just reverses field and he starts coming back towards me, and uh, you know I made a, I made a good block for him, and he just ran it on into the end zone. Of course, it took him like half a day to get to the end zone. Irwin Sherman can throw the ball. Now he'll tell you he's fast, but he's not fast. I think I'm faster than he is. Though, I think he could play tackle now. <laughs> Last time I saw Kerwin. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny you talk about the 86 game, and the irony of that was that Auburn had run off Robert McGinty, their kicker, and uh, he ended up at Florida, and we were down 17-3, to and I think Rodney Brewer was quarterbacking and not being very effective, and Kerwin had been hurt. And uh, right. we didn't think he was going to play, and he came into that game and led him back. 
And then, as you yeah. mentioned, we scored and we're down one seventeen sixteen. And uh, man, that place I was there, and that place just went berserk. You know, which, which yeah. brings up something that you we talked about was the noise factor in a football game. Other than Florida Field, where was the loudest place you ever played, David? Uh, well, I would have to say probably LSU, but Auburn Auburn uh, comes in a close second. Auburn was always just a really loud stadium, but uh, but LSU was uh, those fans are crazy there, man. I mean, it, <laughs> it was a, it was a it was a it was a loud place, and of course back then they had that tiger down in the end zone, and they used to. Get that thing riled up. I used to hate to have to warm. We used to warm up down there with that tiger in that in that cage down there. So that was always something to behold. But uh, but it, yeah, that their their fans. There was you know there was like ninety five thousand or hundred thousand fans even back then. I'm not sure exactly how big that stadium was, but it was loud. Now you um, you had an interesting perspective. I asked you about playing with a silent count, and uh, you playing tackle were the furthest offensive lineman unless there was a tight end over you from the quarterback and yet you didn't need a silent count tell the audience why that was well we were always told you know and you know you when you're playing offensive line in a, in a hostile environment like that uh, you just use your peripheral vision you know you get up on the line of scrimmage and you you know usually you would look out at your your defensive end or just the guy over you but in a situation when it was really loud, you basically look straight ahead, and you're looking, and you can see the ball being snapped. And you can you can you can barely hear the quarterback too, but you're using your peripheral vision to to actually see the ball snap. And of course, it's hard sometimes. You know, you're anticipating the snap, and sometimes you know you you flinch. But um, and then sometimes we would actually, you know, we also would hold. Believe it or not, we would actually hold hands. When you feel you, you feel the guard's hand move real quick, then you would then you would go. Uh, if we were in a, like in a two point stance, what we call racehorse stance, but most of the time I, we would, I would just use my peripheral vision, and just look straight ahead. I could still see my end out there, but I'm but I'm more focusing on the ball movement than anything else. You can actually kind of even cut your eyes in and look at the ball. You know, if the guy's way outside, then you got time. You got time to re, you know re, readjust and get back out and block them. But um, you have to work on your peripheral vision and look and be able to see the ball move. I mean, it's it's nerve wracking. It really is because you know you got guys out there can fly off the ball, and you don't want to be laid off the ball. Of course, you don't want to jump either. It's tough. You know, there, you're some loud stadiums, sure for sure, in the SEC. But you played in the Astrodome, and that was known as being pretty loud. How does that compare oh, yeah. to LSU or to Gainesville? Well, it would get you know it only hold the Astrodome only held about sixty three to sixty four thousand somewhere in there. But you know it's all closed up, and on Monday Night Football, when all them fans get oiled up, man, they're all. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it would be it was loud. It was really loud. And then one year we played in. Um, we played uh, the Dallas Cowboys in Mexico City in a preseason game in front of 120,000 fans at Aztec Stadium. Wow! Uh, and man, I'm telling you, that was that was crazy there too. I, that was the biggest crowd I ever played in front of, and it was sold out. 120,000 fans, but uh, yeah, it's the but altitude yeah, and the smog there too, don't you? <laughs> in, in Aztec, that? you have that altitude and that smog there as well, don't you? Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. 
it was uh, it was hard to play, and then the field was terrible. They had rolled out, <laughs> they had rolled out this turf. I mean, they had the big soccer match. You know, soccer is huge over there. And uh, like two weeks before, they had the world I don't know World Cup or something. And and after that was over, they they basically rolled out turf, just regular grass out on the field, and it hadn't really patched real good. <laughs> oh my god! You? Uh, it was unbelievable, David. Was unbelievable. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Um, we really appreciate you joining us tonight, and again, congratulations on winning the Billy Chase Award. It's richly deserved, and uh, it was fun to see you and your family last night. Well, we had a great time, and uh, everybody enjoyed it. And uh, Ron, I appreciate you, man. We've uh, it's nice being able to reconnect with you guys, and look forward to a lot of a lot more good times, brother. All right, can't wait. That's David Williams. Thanks, David. Former Lakeland Dreadnought, former Florida Gator, former Houston Oiler. And, of course, New York Jet. And now, Lakeland resident again. Great to have him back. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. And we are back in the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back. And I know right now you're thinking, hey, wait a minute. You have not given away that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Get with it. All right, here we go. We got a real easy one for you tonight. If you haven't won the last six months, give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. What we want to know is, and I told you it was easy, especially if you were listening, where did David Williams play his high school football? 682-1430. That's 682-1430. You could have a $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. You could be going out there as early as tomorrow and eating and drinking $30 worth on us, which goes a long way if you take advantage of the nightly meal and drink specials. And uh, they've got 40 strategically located television sets. You can watch every football game that's on. How about that? So... You can't beat that. 5650 South Florida Avenue. Jorge and his staff out there will take real good care of you, Coach Joe. Yeah, and they've added a few things to the menu. So uh, it, it, most of the old favorites are still there. And uh, it, it's they've added some really good new stuff. I've been trying to try something new every time every time I'm there. And uh, it's it's so, so good. The food there is so good. But it's like you said, Jorge and the staff there, they really treat you like gold. They'll set you up whatever you want to watch. And those TVs, I mean, when we say strategically located, you are going to be able to see whatever you want. I always loved going there on uh, college football Saturdays or NFL Sundays, if not both, because you could see as many games as there were to be seen. You weren't going to miss – if you don't want to miss a game, and there's a lot of games coming up on Saturday, uh, the Ale House would be the place to go. You will have them all right there in front of you. Barely will have to move. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. No doubt about it. Well, we got a caller It's hungry and thirsty. I cannot wait. Who have we got on the line? You got Walt. Walt, Walt. how you doing? Well, I got one more little thing I've gotten through the woods. All right. You sound good, Walt. Well, I'm feeling a whole lot better, and I've been listening the last couple of weeks. I knew I couldn't come in until the first part of September. Well, that doesn't mean you can't call, Walt. It, well, but you've had some very interesting, and, you know, I get so fascinated with them. You guys bore me. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing you guys. We have some amazing, amazing guests and callers, and us. <laughs> no, you know what? You were joking, but 
that's one of the things that aggravates me about some of the shows that are on is the people doing the show think they are the attraction. Nobody wants to hear me or Coach Joe. Well, I don't, I don't know that that's true, but no, we're don't. not the stars. No, they don't. <laughs> we're not the stars. Not us. Yeah. I mean, we just had David Williams on. He played in the NFL. He played college football. You know, David Williams is a star. People want to hear him. It's our job to ask questions to bring out something that hopefully people like you who are super fans want to hear. I mean, you know, that and we had the uh, Utah Utes uh, play-by-play announcer on. We gained insight on Utah. And, you know, those are the kind of things we hope that, that interest you. But I know you call. I know you're hungry and thirsty. So well, tell the world you can't fool Walt. So, <laughs> well, I think you played at that school that has that orange and black team called the Dreadnought. <laughs> You're exactly right. <laughs> You're exactly right. Well, he was amazing to watch in high school. I mean, you know, he, he was an unbelievable ball player, and um, he had a very good pro career. I just think he got held back. He, he always seemed to, you know, he really, really helped out in the pros, but I just think it was almost like Spurrier going to San Francisco. We just never got that big break. There always seemed to be, you know, somebody brought in. I've never understood teams not staying and developing people a lot stronger than they do. Well, he started a lot of games in oh, the yeah, NFL. Oh, yeah, he started, I mean, but uh, it seemed like they always moved the ball kind of against him, and maybe he was in more as a decoy. I don't know. Well, I never you, understand you know, some of these coaching today. Houston, Houston had uh, some good teams that found ways to, to not win uh, in big situations. I didn't, I didn't want to ask David about the 1992 Buffalo game. So I, oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> he's a, a good guy, subject. and I didn't, want to, I didn't want to bring that yeah. up. But, uh. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing. David, you know, his parents are wonderful people, Jerry and Pat, and uh, his wife, Debbie. You know, all of those people are up for sainthood, and uh, they all played into the development of David Williams. And he's not only a great football player. David Williams is a gentleman. You know, he is one of the finest individuals you'll ever want to meet. And that all comes from good parenting, and his parents are wonderful people, and they they put that into David, and um, you know, and then his development was of course enriched by Bill Castle and Bill Galloway and Sid Kimbrell and all those folks there, and then the people at Florida, and you know, also in the NFL. So um, he is the guy I know him personally real well, and he's a great father, he's a great husband, you know, he's a great son, he's just an all-around great individual. Yeah, um, I got an opportunity to meet him, and you're right. He, you know, he he doesn't. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of players that think they're the show whenever they go somewhere, and they don't take time for their fans. And he never was that way. Yeah, and you know, one of the the neat things, and we try to bring this to you guys, is is having a chance to to talk to to a, to a lot of these athletes over the last few years how what genuinely good people they really are and uh they have wonderful stories and and you know when uh, when they're not trying to do anything gotcha when you're just giving them an opportunity to share their memories like we like our college to share their memories about sports it really kind of gives it really sort of brings us all together and, and i think it increases our enjoyment of sports but i just it's one of the great great things i love about doing this is the chance to talk to people like david williams well, and, you know, people like you, Walt, that are regular listeners. And, and talk to people like you as well, Walt. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
no, when when you you know if you have suggestions, um, we do our best to get good guests on, and um, you know we're, we're not a big show, we're not ESPN, we're not Fox News or anything like that. So, you know, we can't get some of the people they can get, but. I think we've had some over the years. We've had some really big name guests. When you talk about, you know, Tom Lasorda, John Wooden, five Heisman Trophy winners, numerous Hall of Fame baseball and football players, um, Spurrier, Bowden, yeah. and Vince Dooley. Yeah, exactly. Had, had them all. Yeah, exactly. Ken Anderson, Ken Riley, and hopefully Ken Riley is going to go into the oh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, followed so by close. Ken Anderson. So close now. Yes, he is, yeah. and it's a dadgum shame that. They didn't do that when Ken was still alive to enjoy that. Exactly. Hopefully it's going to happen, though. Well, and, you know, today some a football player from Florida A&M, you know, wanting the glory, and he got hurt, and he was complaining to the media that they're not paying him why they're drawing money through the turnstiles and he can't get part of it. And I'm thinking, now, wait a minute. If you go and you do it like you should, now I understand a few become pro. But if they play there and they get their education, look at the cost of an education yes. today at a college. Yes. Now, they don't consider that payment. Man, I would have loved to have been, had the ability to have gone to college. You know, in today's dollars, you're talking even at a South Florida State College or Florida, you're still looking at sixty-five to 85000 plus your living. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the... the Places these kids live are pretty fine, especially today. You know, you're getting all the food you can eat. You've got nutritionists to help you eat the right stuff. You've got the best medical conditioning, and, and not just conditioning, but care if you need it. Um, that's a lot. That is a lot. And, you know, we've, we've just seemed to baby some of these kids, and they think, well, you know, that's – that's the way it should be. We should get a lot more money. And I don't have any problem letting kids make money off the field signing autographs or whatever. That's fine. But, you know, this splitting the uh, proceeds, um, you got to remember all of this stuff, all of this foundation, it's there. You didn't pay for any of that, and you're not paying for any of it now. Exactly. Well, and, you know, and it, 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 it's just crazy. Um you know, we could talk another hour on this new golf tour. Oh, and now well, two guys are looking at backing out because they can't believe that they're not going to be included. And if they decide to come back, they have to go back through Q school. I mean, and why, why not? Oh, I, I, mean, know, I know. I'm telling you, Walt, uh, I, I have a lot to say about that, no doubt. I w- and, and that's a topic for another day because uh, we got to wrap up the show tonight. I know. But I know. you hang on there. Tim's going to take your information and uh, get you all set up for your uh, collecting at the Ale House. And call us next week, even though you're not quote-unquote eligible, because <laughs> we'll okay, finish well, this conversation yeah, I will. then, okay? I'm feeling a lot better now. Usually I hit bed about 7 o'clock and I was asleep, and, uh, you know, <laughs> And nights I really couldn't sleep, and I knew Ronnie was going to be doing a lot of talking. I'd turn it on and fall asleep. So. <laughs> and that is a perfect end to this show, Ronnie. Take oh, us home, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to take that $30 gift certificate away from Walt. I'm so sorry, Walt. Uh, no, Walt's a good buddy, and um, always love having him on. You're listening to Ronnie Owen, Coach Joe, and the Ozone on Talk 96.7 WLKF.